We are live, sir. All right, everybody. This is episode 43 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your host, Brett and CH. Looks like we got some stuff going on with the Fed. Uh, we'll talk about that. Also, it looks like our good friends over in Hong Kong might be running out of uh, running out of cash. So we'll uh, we'll touch on that. And also, <laughs> Nicholas Maduro is looking to uh, looking to see what they can do with their the nationalization of their oil production and using Bitcoin in reserves of the central bank and uh, just a whole it's a whole big mess. But uh, an interesting topic nonetheless. But. Before we get started, man, how you doing this week? I'm doing good. Um, again, it's like <clears throat> every, excuse me, my voice there, I'm losing a little bit. Um, it's like every week you begin and you're like, what's going to happen this week? You know? Right. It's, I mean, obviously Bitcoin's going 24-7, but every legacy market's open up, you know, most of them, except for like futures and commodities and stuff like that. They, you know, they're open Monday morning and stuff closes Friday. It's like, you know, what, what's going to happen this week? You know, we got Hong Kong, as you mentioned. I'm, you know, I don't watch much TV, but when I was, uh, like a month or so ago, when I was able to watch at work, it there was very little coverage. I feel like of the Hong Kong, and Hong Kong is only escalated. I've been mentioning this for a while. It's only escalating. It hasn't been going down. And as you mentioned, there's a video of a catapult being fired. <laughs> yeah, there looks like they're they're going full medieval on yeah. this bitch and launching bricks back. But I mean, um, it's interesting one because. The the citizens of Hong Kong don't have the Second Amendment to protect themselves against uh, tyranny, and you can see what they're resorting to: umbrellas, um, catapults, uh, you know, masks, which have now been banned. I mean, yeah, the, I saw that banning mask. I mean, this is the insanity they're getting to. Yeah, if you can see the video, yeah, I mean, it's pretty uh, ridiculous i mean that's a, that's about as medieval as you get it's 2019 don't forget that we're almost in 2020 and people are using catapults to fight their <laughs> government okay think about that for a second it's 2019 it, it's almost 2020 and we're using catapults uh, or not we but they are um yeah it's this is this is gonna be really interesting i mean i don't as i've said before i don't see this de-escalating until there is a lot of blood i really don't i mean Something's going to happen here, whether it's the PLA just marches in one day. But now that the Chinese 70th anniversary has passed, I think they're just going to not give a fuck, to be honest. Um, they I mean, could. Did you see that the other day? And I don't mean to look at a little off topic, but there's an NBA, was it for the Houston Rockets or that GM that tweeted something about China and like, you know, they're abusing Hong Kong or whatever and taking away the rights, basically. And like the league apologized for the tweet to China. They're like, we're apologizing to the Chinese fans. Like, and someone was talking about basically corporations just kowtowing to China, you know, in some sense. Right. I mean, his his comment was pretty much around, you know, we should be supporting the the people of Hong Kong who are um, kind of looking for a democracy, uh, for for lack of a better term, and that maybe we shouldn't really be supporting communist China in in this case. Uh, by we, I guess I mean just anyone who's taken notice to it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he got ripped a new one, basically. Uh, but also, I think, proved his point where the – and I saw somebody actually tweet to Mark Cuban, like, what do you think about all this? I guess calling him out about it, like, you, you've you been awfully quiet. Like, is it, is it worth um, bowing to, you know, communist China in this case for essentially, I guess, talking shit about – 
what they're up to because it's just like ridiculous. And, you know, Kyle Bass always rips into this. He's like, can't stand <laughs> China. Um, it, the whole thing just sucks. Yeah. I mean, and there's so much I don't know about China. It's something like I, I'd love to, I need to watch more. I and mean, I try to, if you get a chance, real vision finance on YouTube, they have the most phenomenal educational videos when it comes to, I guess what geopolitics and yeah, like money, just global finance, macro, yeah. exactly. Macro. That's a perfect term. Um, they, the videos are phenomenal. Um, I highly recommend on YouTube. You'll learn a lot. They, they bring some of the brightest people on there. Um, it's definitely worth it. You think we should uh, finish up talking about Hong Kong and the ATMs and then jump into the Fed stuff? Yeah, that's what I was thinking at this point since we were, we're just ripping into Hong yeah. Kong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah, no, I mean, I just I was just letting it go because I figured at this point we were, were running all over it. Um, yeah, it, it's getting interesting. And I mean, here's a picture if you're watching, you'd see smashing a, a front window. Well, two front windows actually to the Bank of China, Hong Kong, it says in parentheses. But it is incredible what's going on here. And um you know, you wonder how much longer can this go on? I mean, I, as we said, like they're using catapults now, they're banning of masks. It's basically martial law there now. I mean, tourism has dropped to nothing. And I think we mentioned last, I don't know if we mentioned the podcast, but there is a zero hedge article and it was talking about like hotel rooms are going for like, what, $10 a night or $9 a night, some ridiculous amount. Or no, it was like, it was some really cheap number. It might've been like $20 a night. But anyways, it was like, it was like, wow. So that just, the tourism's killed there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would. If, I mean, I would if go I was there. Sent there on a work trip, I'd be like, I'm not really sure I want to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, you know, in some sense, it would be cool to like go there, just kind of as an independent journalist. I'm not that I am, but it'd be kind of cool to document it. But at the same time, it's like, do you want to be in Hong Kong when everything gridlocks down and it's chaos? No. Right. Yeah, it's like, you, you know, you're, it's it's really interesting. Um, and there's another interesting thing. This is the weekly local Bitcoin volume. I'll zoom in for people to see that. And it has went bananas at the end of 2019, which is the most recent one up here in the end of September. Um, so obviously people of Hong Kong are going back into Bitcoin crypto. And I, I don't know, if, you know, because that was one of the parts of the article mentioned here is it is, you know, they're talking about the indication that people are going into, you know, is this another juncture here? Are we going to see Bitcoin rally off this? I mean, as we are talking about, um, it's up 5.5% this week. So that's not bad. Five and a half percent and 24 hours into the week. So. Right. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. And I, I was hoping we were going to touch on the local Bitcoins volume because although on one hand, I mean, it's not much, right? What it was a couple of hundred Bitcoin or something like that. We're not yeah. talking gigantic numbers, but there's a limited um, supply. Yeah, there's a limited supply in Hong Kong that you can get your hands on for fiat money. And when the Chinese banks have made the maximum withdrawal limit 38 US dollars from 1300 US dollars, like what, what are you going to do? And I think that's just a really good reminder that any of the money that you have in your bank account is not yours. Seri it's seriously an IOU. And you can have your access cut off uh, from your money, which is on, you know, and, th and that's kind of the question I want to get into because, you know, for me, that's just such a big point of what makes uh, something like Bitcoin really special that you can't have your access to your own money taken away from you. And then you see 
ATMs running out of cash, your minimum withdrawal drops significantly to the point where that you might as well not even have one. And then local Bitcoin's volumes going up. So I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, no, as I've said before, and what you've mentioned, it's, it's not your money. It, the money in the bank is not yours. Um, you know, I know there's the FDIC that guarantees you $250,000, but reality is the money's not yours. And as they talk about bank run, I mean, think about it. I don't know how many people are at my, the bank I use currently, but it's like if even a thousand, you know, I just say they have a thousand customers, you know, what if 500 people came in that day and wanted to withdraw even just like a thousand dollars each? How, how much would that strain them? Do they have 500,000 in cash? You know what I mean? No, right. I think it would definitely strain them for sure. Yeah, and it's it's a, it, you know it, it makes you wonder you know. So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like Hong Kong would be our kind of not our first. I mean, there's been bank runs before, right? This is this has happened before, but I feel like in in relatively recent times, like you're you're actually seeing it slightly. It's not a full blown. Um, you know, tactical assault bank run type style, but it's just people who are being rational going to the ATMs trying to take cash out for yeah. their own safety yeah, and yeah, they're running into issues. I mean, you know, how long, and, and, yeah, you're gonna get, right. are you going to get banned? It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, cause I think right. they've gotten to that point where I think, I think China's just, I, I don't know, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure if, if you get in trouble there, I assume, or they don't, you know, like what you're doing or you're opposing them, you're talking probably a ban and some sort that you can't use your what credit credit debit card or other right. you know payment. I mean, obviously they're in Asia; they're much farther ahead of us. Like in China, they have just like basically the the payment apps. They're all app you know on apps like what is it? What's that app? We something? WeChat. 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 Yeah, you just pay each other for that. What happens when you get banned from WeChat? You know, it's like um, it's something to think about. Like same thing with Venmo. Um, you know, it's it's in PayPal. Obviously, we see it. Right, people get cut Patri- off from PayPal Patreon all the time. too. We see Patreon. Yep, um, it, it, it's reality. It's like, wow, this is you know, this is happening. That's what scares me. It's the same thing with seeing you know, doesn't matter what side of the political political spectrum, political spectrum. Excuse me, um, you know, seeing people left, right, center, whatever, getting banned or you know, shadow banned or being their tweets taken down or their videos taken down on YouTube. I mean. It is scary, and it's happening right now, and no one's doing anything about it. it. You know how how much farther can large corporations and government, and you know, inflict this on people before there's some kind of backlash? Like, and backlash, I mean, you know, it's bad, obviously. Right. I think it's almost like a lot of these huge corporations, and even just you know, even the governments that we have, you can see them like in their death throes almost. And it, I feel like that's weird to kind of say and think, but um, it's almost too wacky. Like with some of the stuff you see on Twitter, like the very blatant and obvious shadow banking, the blatant, even, you know, you know, pick on Alex Jones for a minute, like, you know, shutting down his access to Twitter and, you know, even banking relationships. Uh, I mean, Gab has been completely cut off from the financial system and they're just trying to have free speech, open source kind of social media. Like that's the whole point. And they're just, they've been completely taken off of the financial system. Like they can't do anything about it. The only thing that they can use is Bitcoin. And they just sent out a huge email today about it to, you know, a million some subscribers to say like, this is pretty much we, what we've have to resort to. Like we have no other options. Um, it's, you know, I think it's a symptom of everything else, everything that we see. It's just, 
so far out of whack that um, you'd imagine the response back to kind of reality, back to the reversion to the mean, um, you know, it comes at some point. It's just hard to say what it looks like yeah. either as it's coming a- after the fact in the middle of it. Like, you know, there's the other option is it could be a smoother upgrade than you think. Like it, it really, it depends on where you're located. <laughs> like I wouldn't want to be in Hong Kong. I guess it's not so bad being in the U S but like I wouldn't have wanted to be in Paris either for the last year. Yeah, no, Paris is, I mean, they're still, I, I'm pretty sure they're still, you know, that's protest going on. It's just one of those things again, it's not getting coverage and it just tells right. you, it's not getting mainstream coverage. There's if, if like I'm on Twitter, so I see a lot of this stuff because I follow people who are kind of following all this. Um, but you don't see it in the mainstream media. You don't see them talking about, um, you know, and here again, you, you talk about suppression of, ideas or revolt basically or any but there's basically revolutions going on right now and people aren't paying attention to what i'm trying to get get at and that's why there's that famous line the revolution won't be televised it's pretty i think it's pretty true yeah that's um that's a good quote it's a good quote you want to jump into that fed stuff yeah for sure um so it's been pretty interesting feds i guess you could call it qe i mean there's no other the fed has not bought assets since you know basically september october 2014 and i have the interactive chart if you're watching on youtube and you can see obviously being quantitative tightening in the beginning uh you know end of 2017 begin of 2018 basically and we eventually bottomed out and here we have began quantitative easing again they're using other terms for it but you know it doesn't look that much if you look from here but it's still a noticeable bump and it's only from the last five weeks so we went up from the Fed balance sheet being like 3.759 trillion, which is, and the number is not even real. That's an un, insane number, and we've went to 3.945 trillion, or up about almost 300 billion. I, yeah, I, that's just such a significant amount that just seems like it doesn't nothing. seem like much. But yeah. Think about how much liquidity that is. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing, uh, I don't even, I don't know. It's not like it's trending up. It just went straight up. Yeah. No, I mean, that's not, it's not, it's not gradual. It's not gradual at all. I mean, we, <laughs> what took, I don't know, let's see, from basically, let's say April to August, so f- four months, has been recovered in one month of pumping liquidity, basically. You know, so how quickly do we get back to four point five trillion? Is the question. You know, are we gonna are uh, we gonna see four point five trillion? I mean, at this rate, think about this. Okay, so let's say in a month they're doing two hundred and fifty billion. That means a trillion new dollars in four months. All right, so tell me this: bullish or bearish for Bitcoin? Then another that's, one that's point a, whatever trillion back on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. I mean, to me, that's bullish because that's liquidity. Um, now. I could be wrong, but you know, as we've seen for the past decade, you, you know, Bitcoin doesn't exactly correlate with, you know, because Bitcoin's only been born, I guess you could say, if that's the right term to use, it's been around post quantitative easing, you know, right post the crisis. Um, so is it, what's um, the best way to put it? Is it, you know, is it just riding along with this experiment or is it going to separate, you know? Um, 
and if they keep pumping inflating, I can only imagine that Bitcoin's going to go up. I mean, the more central banks pump liquidity in the system, the higher we saw Bitcoin's price go. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's it's more of a, it's the dollar, it's the yen, it's, you know, the pound, the euro losing value against Bitcoin. That's the way people, right. people don't look like that. But when it's gold, people look, like, look at it like that. And it's the same, we'll, we'll probably see the same thing with precious metals, um, where they're just going to start going and it's not going to, you know, I... But then again, if, if central banks don't pump anymore, then we get the deflation. And I, I don't even want to know what a deflation cycle would be like. <laughs> right. So I think you brought up a, a lot of good points there. I mean, the biggest one that I need to remind myself of, of is to think about the dollar just losing purchasing power relative to Bitcoin. Yeah, so the same thing as gold or you know, holding gold or silver. You know, right. Or, and I think that's, state, you know? that, that's really the way to think about it. Because if you want to get, I guess, more technical about it. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, you know, all value is subjective. So, you know, you're not really concerned with that US dollar value, but it does make sense if the dollar itself is just inflating away and losing its purchasing power over time. And if you have to pump another trillion dollars um, into the marketplace, uh, every holder of the US dollar becomes impacted by the inflation that eventually works its way back through the system. Um, because of the the additional uh, dollars pumped into the system, so you you know on one hand I'd think to myself, all right, yeah, I mean I know at least in the long term that's bullish. Like you're devaluing the dollar; these currencies are in a currency war, uh, devaluing against each other. And then on the other hand, you have to think, well, they are pumping a lot because things aren't great from an economic standpoint. So that could have its own issues, which could have its own repercussions on uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different, you know, as I said before, there's a lot of different avenues here. You know, is it is the Fed going to keep pumping? That's the question here. And who, who else is going to be putting liquidity in the system? Is the ECB, SMB, BOJ, PBOC, you name it. Is anyone else going to be adding liquidity here? Um, I don't know if any of the other banks have like charts of this. It'd be really cool. I don't think people realize this. The Federal, if you're ever curious, the Federal Reserve has a really cool website. There's a lot of cool um, charts, interactive charts that you can fool around with. Um, but this is this is definitely interesting. I mean, that's, that's, we're going vertical. And as I said before, you know, as you asked about the Bitcoin, is it bullish? And, you know, it to me it is. But maybe I'm wrong. But I think it's you know it's your, it's the dollar losing value against Bitcoin, as I said before. Same with the gold or silver. Um, and then here, you know, at the rate we're going, as I mentioned, so what? Does this mean January of 2020? We're back at 4.5 trillion balance sheet. And no, but <laughs> that like, would be wild. No, yeah, it'd be wild. I mean, where do we go from there? Do we go to eight trillion? Does that does that solve our issues? I don't I don't know. You know what? And right. if it doesn't work. Like if it doesn't work and equities fall, then what? You know, what do you do? <laughs> right. No, that's. I think that's the big question: is what do you do? And I think everybody who's at least taking notice of this is trying to um, at least play a little bit of defense as best as you can. Like it, it's uncertain times. I mean, it is what it is. You have to either stay the course or, you know. Buy gold, buy Bitcoin. Uh, think of other things that can hedge. Uh, it, it just makes it a really tough time. I, I don't know one way or another, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, you have to just like it, it's not. It's not even complicated from the standpoint of like these things are happening, and you need to just 
pick what you're going to do or at least be have a plan. aware enough you know, like have a plan where if you know if okay you know shit really hits the fan i'm going to do x y and z or whatever the case may be um just to make sure and a lot of that to me has to do with bitcoin because a lot of the news that i think comes up is like of course people on bitcoin twitter are talking about it so it seems all interrelated and that's the one thing that's connecting everybody together which is cool to watch and then see that validated when Raul puts out a new video and it's like, oh, yeah, we were talking we were talking about this. So like you have the big global macro hedge fund guys like talking about the same thing that Bitcoiners are talking about. And they're everyone's like on the same page. I think. Yeah, I think it's funny watching across it. the spectrum, whether you're talking Bitcoin, the gold people, you know, the Austrian economists then you obviously the macro. Everyone's yeah. kind of starting to line here. Like, what the fuck is going on? But obviously, it's a, it's a very small percentage. Like you think about FinTwit, it's a very small percentage of Twitter. Um, and totally, then, and then totally. in terms of the population and what people are thinking about, you know, um, I think most people right now in, in America, it's, it's big, if, you know, obviously people are interested in football, like it's, that's what's big right now, like college football and NFL. Right. But here I am sitting and like, well, like we're on the verge of just the most, something big's happening. So you know, I don't know what, you know, um, but something, you know, we're not like. The last few years, the markets have, there's just been absolute insanity in every market. It doesn't matter what, you, you know, um, <laughs> and you, you got to wonder, you know, is, is, are we going to, as people keep saying, melt up or is it just, is this it? And if this is it, it's like the fucking backside's going to be fucking terrifying. And I, I, I like, I emphasize that for a reason. It, it is not going to be friendly. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that takes us. Yeah. And I think... I think all of it's just such a good topic, you know, to, to roll into the last topic about, uh, you know, I saw an article about Maduro hoarding Bitcoin. And when you see an entire country like uh, Venezuela also get. Dude, that might have been the smartest move ever. <laughs> I mean, what? how many, like, you got to wonder how much Bitcoin do they buy? And like, if, like what's a 5X to $100 million? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because. Y- all of a sudden you're getting the the use case of bitcoin you have an entire country although you know a terrible one um being completely just isolated from the financial system trying to use whatever it can to get itself back into the financial system through you know you know uh looks like their nationalized oil company f- somehow found its way to get um to accumulate some bitcoin my guess is they seized a ton of mining equipment and uh have been mining it if, if I had to guess. And they've also, that would, been, that would be pretty smart to be honest. That'd I heard a story. Yeah. I mean, I heard a story that they, it, people who would, I guess, be working for Maduro will go and print Bolivars and then use local Bitcoins to accumulate Bitcoin with freshly printed money. Um, which is actually pretty ingenious. Like you have to do that until you get away with it, I guess. Um, but it it's just almost insane to see uh, th- that there's demand, I guess, for an alternative financial system. And they have also thought about uh, switching to the Russian alternative of SWIFT because they, they need a way they, to sell their oil and to, yeah. and to pay. I mean, it, it's just it's basic economic, economic stuff. Is. It's just basic, basic stuff. But you can see that there is demand for, for an alternative system one that is apolitical you know uh be even like into the gold standard uh just 
of trying to trade internationally. And we're close, dude. I mean, think about the average yeah. fiat currency lasts what forty five years, and the U.S. dollar, which was the you know the Bretton Woods system, collapsed in seventy one. Um, so the fiat currency basically has been since seventy one, because prior to that, everything was pegged to the U.S. dollar, which was pegged to gold. Um, but you sent me that tweet earlier, and this is back to Hong Kong, just about the so the China. It says China banks are running out of cash in Hong Kong dollar and the U.S. dollar. Maximum withdrawal limit dropped from. 1300 US dollars to 38 US dollars, a drop of 34 times. And then it says China financial doom day is coming. The dude tweets it's from Hong Kong, so that's why it's kind of choppy English. But just getting back to that earlier, that's it's that's absolutely insane. But think about if you went to your bank and you couldn't pull up $38 in cash or $39 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you'd be pissed. No, you people would people would riot. I mean, you you just be like, what, you know, if you went to the ATM there's, um, yeah, and it's like how, you know, and the question is, is how long can the U.S. stay immune to this? I mean, the U.S. is already, you know, politically, we see the two sides very um, differently, but, you know, obviously very, not trying to get into politics here, but there's a very, between the left and right now in America, there's a very big divide, or at least the very far left or whatever. Um, so it's it's interesting to see what does this mean for 2020 in the U.S., and is the U.S. immune to all that's going on? And I don't think it is. Right. And I, you kind of have to let that play out and see. And it's um, it, it's getting to be that time. And it's funny that there's so much going on globally that uh, that makes it even more interesting this time around, especially as everyone's feeling more uneasy just about the ec- global economies in general. Right. So it seems like we're teetering a bit, which, you know isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. No, it's not. It's like how much changes, you know, here shortly. <laughs> like, are we, yeah. are we, how close are we to shit hits the fan? You know, um, cause 2008, like that happened really quickly. Or, you know, 2007 and 2008, you know, um, and I think this, the system's even more fragile now than it was before. You know, yes. it hasn't gotten more resilient. So it's, you know, is it, is it going to be, no. is it going to be a matter instead of, you know, I mean, even 2008 though, I mean, like it, I know like it was, the markets were going down for basically the year. You could, you know, you can look at it here. That was like quarterly six. They started going down in October of 2017 or the third quarter of 2007, excuse me. But, you know, it's like, you know, how long will it take this time for us to like, before things just seize up, like it, they almost did in 2008, you know, where banks weren't going to lend to each other on a Monday. Um, you know, we're, I think we're pretty, we're getting there. I, I mean, that's, that's what I feel like, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, it, it, it's felt like that for a year almost already. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, it's like, it's know, every it's, time, dude, like, okay, to be honest, like when everything takes dude, longer December than December 2018 last year, yeah. I was like, wow, we're fucking, we're done. <laughs> like I was like, there yeah, goes, so was I. Dude, I mean, but like when you looked at it, it was like, everything was done. It was over. It was like, it was like, see ya. No, I thought the same thing. And that just, it's, it's a good reminder that, um, like I'm, like I've, I'm ready to be wrong the majority of the time about these kind of things and things always take longer than you think. Yeah. So maybe in, in the grand scheme of things, maybe the problem, the problem is being too early, which is also the same as being wrong. Right. So like I, I, and I understand, um, that that's the case, you know, you can, you can be, 
you can be right, but have to wait, you know, however long until you're, you're proven right. And you could have lost everything by then anyway. So you're, you're wrong and being early and being wrong are, uh, are the same thing in this example. So it's like, it's very humbling to see how long some of this plays out and you can, maybe it's cause we're like, we've been watching it for too long and it, yeah, it's well, like, you think it. every, you think everybody realizes it. Nobody, well, nobody, nobody does. Really it's does. not a big yeah. deal yet. Yeah. It's not a big deal yet, and, but it, it will become one. Like it's, I, I don't know. It's, you know, it's become one of my favorite guys is Northman Trader. Yeah, I, I really I like, like his analysis. As well. Yeah, I'm just curious what he said. And did you want to touch on something else too? Was there one more thing? Oh, you're, uh, you know, you already touched on the Maduro. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was pretty much everything. With that, it's just, you know, I think it's a, a nothing story. Honestly, um, it, it's too early for it to really mean anything. But I think the point that it happened. And that, you know, there's a good chance that uh, the Venezuelan government is sitting on Bitcoin. It's just it's oh, it's almost too early to do anything with it. Right. Um, I think this would be interesting five years from now or even two and a half years from now. It, it might be even more interesting. And I'm sure they're going to hang on to it. So we'll know more what that looks like in two and a half years or five years. But um, it, it's it's just great proof of the actual use case like um you know, it's a common saying Bitcoin's for enemies um, because you can, the point is you should be able to trade it with your enemy and, you know, you can, you can just use it. It's just a tool. It'd be like sending your enemy an email and <laughs> having it sent back. It's just a piece of technology that you can, you can use like that, that public infrastructure almost. Um, so that's, that's like a little mind blowing when you really step back and think about it. It's good. There's, it's just it's one of those things where it's 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 a whole new technology as um, Andreas Antonopoulos has talked about. It's completely different and it's such still in its infancy, and who knows what it'll be in ten years? Um, you know, right. just like as I, we've mentioned before, numerous times is the internet. I mean, the internet in nineteen ninety three was nothing, and emails, you know, as I've mentioned before, emails like you, sending attachments was a big deal. Being able to do right. in the nineties and. Now you think about where we are, and people are Snapchatting, people are live streaming on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. <laughs> you can airdrop a 4K video now, and you couldn't attach like a like a, a one megabyte yeah. like picture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So no, but it, it, it's a it's a good point, and it's a good reminder. You know, some people who've been using maybe mobile web or technology, cell phones, and the internet, you, you just have like no appreciation for how shitty using the internet was at first, and you know, just even it took a long time for for emails like the average person to send an email. And then it took a long time for the average person to send an email from their phone. Like oh, yeah. there was all, there was also a gap between oh, yeah, huge computer huge. and then like, you know, even just the, the Blackberry movement, like getting into Blackberry yeah. and then out of Blackberry into applications, you had a, it took years to go from being able to like first send email on your phone to a baby boomer requesting Uber on their smartphone. Like it, it took some fucking time. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe that just means shit's going to take longer than I think. But I think since it's 
kind of exponential technology on top of exponential technology, it ends up happening faster the next time around. Everybody's already on, you've onboarded billions already just on the mobile phones. So like, that's, that's a great head start. Yeah. You know, they, they had to go from, they had to get fucking routers in people's homes first this time around, or even like laying out the laying out, um, you know, when it, the switch from 56 K to like, uh, like Fios, like fiber optic, like they literally had to lay the wire to get, you know what I mean? So like a lot of shit had to happen. Oh, yeah, now it's so all much. wireless. So, I mean, yeah. um, I'm a, I'm a big just, fan of land though. It's better than yeah, Wi-Fi. I know. Right. I'm also curious about the Wi-Fi. Like, I, I, as you know, I, I don't mean to get into any conspiracies here, but the 5G thing, you know, with having those cell towers every, you know, corner basically in metropolitan areas or anywhere basically. I don't know. Kind of. I mean, you, you know, where you live, it's probably going to be more prevalent. And I think bigger cities, obviously, you know, it's going to become really prevalent um, shortly. Like we're almost there. I feel like the infrastructure is being put out. Yeah, it seems like that kind of technology is pretty close, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what, if any, implications or, or I guess side effects of five G is. You know, I'm, I've heard everything. Right on one hand, it's like not so great, can enable some not so great things, and on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you know, it'll be. I'm sure the three G guys were pissed when four G was coming out, and you know, trying to make the switch. So I, I, I get it, I guess, um, but. Even something like that, assume that there's zero side effects. Um, even that itself is now another exponential technology where you can, where you're like streaming gigs, no, no issue. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. over your cell phone. Like that's like that's really awesome. I mean, it's it's crazy having that kind of uh, power and speed. And I'm, uh, it's weird because I'm sure that will feel slow, like in a, in another decade or twenty years or something. It'll be like wow. Yeah, I, it's it's gonna get things that like people are like I keep mentioning people like we're going into a whole new decade. Things are going to change. I mean, you think back to twenty ten and how much has changed now. Um, you know, every what are you talking macro technology, you name it. I mean, Snapchat wasn't a thing in twenty ten. Those Instagram wasn't a thing. Um, Twitter was a fucking baby. You know, Facebook obviously was a big thing in twenty ten, but still, you think about um, how much things have changed. It's uh, you know, and so what? What's next? You know, that's a good question. Right. <laughs> no, and, and, and since I'm such a pessimistic person because of the way that you know the central banks keep going with their monetary policy, it's like the longer this goes on, the worse the whatever comes after. I don't know what comes after. I think personally, I I lean towards war. I think war is inevitable at this point. Uh, people think we're done with war. People think we're past you know major wars with lots of civilian casualties, and I think history is just going to prove us wrong again. You know, um, and it, and I feel like you just see the pieces already aligning on the map. I mean, you can see, you know, obviously the Russia, the BRIC nations, you know, but Russia, I guess you can't really include Brazil because Brazil is now Trump and Bolsonaro talking. But like you look at Russia, Iran, China, and you can include like Syria. And then you, you know, look at the other, the NATO side of things, the U.S., Britain, Germany, etc. You know, where, where are we get, where are the pieces going to fall? And is NATO even a thing anymore, too? You know, is NATO going to disseminate over the next decade? And then on top of that, the European Union, I think, is done. I don't think that thing makes it to 2030. I, I, I don't see in any way that the EU can survive its current circumstances. Yeah, at the very least, I don't think the euro will survive the yeah. 2030s. And then, you know, from there, 
hopefully everybody gets a chance to take their respective uh, country back and you know do with it what they would prefer to be doing, which is I'm assuming be, being free and yeah. uh, having access to a sound money, just as everyone would enjoy having um, yeah. if their if their region allows it. Well, but I, yeah, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say culturally, Europe is like screwed itself right now. I mean, they've you know, you know, the, the people who are originally from that land, you know, do their, and I know immigration is, but it's just become an absolute disaster there. And I saw a pretty funny video. I don't know if you saw it the other day. There's like some off duty metropolitan police officer that was in a, you know, one of their, you know, train cars, you know, in the riding around London, I think it was. And there's some like smaller, I think it was, they said from Afghanistan, some younger guy threatening people with a knife and the dude ended up just headbutting the dude. It's one time the dude just fucking dropped on the on the, <laughs> on the metro car. People just started clapping. It was like, and I I don't mean to get into this stuff, but it's 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 pretty interesting what Europe did with their immigration policy, and just overloading the country with a bunch of people that just couldn't assimilate. It's not even possible what they were trying to do. You're taking people from completely different cultures and throwing them into a mix, and you've obviously seen, now we've seen the damage of it. Um, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But it, again, as I've said before, like a lot of these countries have walked themselves in the corners. It's like, do you let the you know all these immigrants take over your culture and just vote you out, or do you you know revolt back and whatever? It'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. And this is a big macro thing. This might take another whole decade to play out, but it's going right. to happen. It's right. No, I think I think that's a good point. That uh, you know, just just I I feel like we're. Now I feel like I'm the early guy, like I'm always early on <laughs> so this stuff or wrong. So it's like, you know, if this is just the beginning cracks of that, then uh, in hindsight, you know, 10 years from now, I'll be like, oh, I remember when we were talking about this in 2018 and 2019 and you saw blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, then uh, I'll look back and say, okay, I, I was early, obviously. But it, it's just not a coincidence. I think, you know, you're seeing the same story kind of globally and um, the the money and just the central banking uh, infrastructure globally. And, you know, everybody's got the same system. You have a central bank, you can, and then you can just do whatever you want after that, right? You just need to get that part in there first, and you're you're kind of good as a nation state to go and fund whatever you want to fund. Um, same business model. Every country has it. Doesn't look like it's sustainable because. Uh, if you have the option to print, you're going to print. And it's hard to resist that temptation. Eventually, somebody will do it. Um, and that experiment is kind of coming to an end. And I don't wonder if what we see today are symptoms of that. Uh, I don't know. That's just my, my last two Satoshis on that. No, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think I think we're on the – as we keep talking about, we're so close to this. There's something major is happening. And there's that guy, I think Liberty Blitz or whatever – on Twitter, he talks about we're going through one of the most interesting periods of time. And I think a lot of people aren't realizing what's going on. I mean, like, I think the perfect example is you have Donald Trump, the president of the United States, tweeting all the time the most, you know, the, the most insane things, you know. But it, it's just, it, I mean, but you think of the most, technically the most powerful person in the world, whatever you want to say it. But it's just funny. Um, I, I did that in quotation marks, powerful person in the world, because there's people behind closed doors who do a lot too. But, right. it, you know, from a, you know, normie standpoint, Right. Sure. Yeah. It's the best futures trader to ever exist. Donald J. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> it's, 
Mm -hmm. Someone was mentioning that there's no restrictions against those guys at all, like anybody in the White House. So, like, who knows? Oh, yeah. People don't think, oh, a couple percent's not a big deal. But, like, when you own thousands and thousands of shares of a company or, you know, are are long or short, it can buy options. It's it's a big deal when you have lots of money to move. A couple percent doesn't – there's a lot, you know. um, So I just laugh at it. I think it's funny. We just speculate on a bunch of random stuff like this. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's probably a good way to wrap it up, but we'll definitely yeah. record another episode probably tomorrow night. And it, this whole week is going to be interesting. Um, I don't know if we mentioned Powell's talking. Powell talked today. I don't know if that was a huge cause for the market to fall off at Monday, but it'll be interesting. He's talking again tomorrow, I think at like 2.30 or something, Central Time. Yeah. Or Eastern Time. I think he's talking 1.30 Central, 2.30. And then he's talking again at 10 10 a.m. Central Time, so 11 um, Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. So it'll be interesting to see what this plays out. Um, Whenever he speaks, he just screws everything up. You just turn, if you you want to have fun, just turn on like a low time frame chart and watch the market when he starts speaking. It doesn't, the (laughs) the algorithms have no clue to do. (laughs) It's, It's a scary time. But yeah, this was uh, that's a good way to wrap it up. This was episode 43 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, follow us, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us comments on YouTube. Send us DMs. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, thanks for checking out this week's episode. Yep, Peace. Thank you.